Well, welcome, guys. We're going to get rolling this morning. We're going to hear from some good men. We're going to talk about um, core lies relating from hell, um, how what a mess our hearts are, right? I mean, honestly, that fall, way more destructive than anyone else can realize. So this is our last week talking about uh, lies. Next week, we're going to be going into the truth of who we are, our true identity. And just to be clear, I had a, a good man, Steve, a good man remind me this morning, the truth of who we are in Christ is because we come to saving faith in him. That's right. So we look back, we talk about what happened in the past, we look at, you know, what happened to us, but we are not victims, we are agents. We took a bite of that fruit just like Adam and Eve did in them. So guys, if there's any men here that have not come to a saving relationship in Jesus Christ, you are in a place where you can do that right now and today. Everything we do, everything we're able to do, we do because he hung on that cross for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Guys, once again, we spend a lot of time looking in, right? And it's purposeful. We want to have our, our own spiritual formation. We want to grow in our walk. But don't get hung up on the lie, okay? This is an exercise. This is not the only way to do this. This is not the only thing that gets us to take an inside look. But at our core, we are not victims. I'm going to say that once again. Guys, we are sinners. Birth, choice, practice, and generational influence. We need to be aware of our own hearts so we can repent and believe, and that's daily, right? So please, if there's any men pushing back against this, we don't want guys to shine light on their own sin. We want guys to look at their own hearts. All right, that's what we want to do. So we can look forward to really, really deeply repent daily and shine a light on the cross and what Jesus has done for us. I want to be as clear as I can on that. Are you with me? We good? Okay. All right. So we got a couple good men that are come up this morning. I'm super excited to hear from Jeff and Steve. What you guys coming up? Get you introduced here. We're gonna talk about what is what's a good definition for a lie and how you guys have uh, worked through some of your stuff and how you've related from hell to God and others. So, all right, Steve and Jeff, and pray for you guys here. Okay. Father, thank you. Thank you for bringing us all together. This is so amazing just to see. Your son's here. Thank you that we're, we're in this together. We have faith in you, and you are with us. We're so grateful. We just lift up all of our cares and concerns to you. We pray that if there's any man in here that not, has not come to saving faith, that he confesses the good confession and turns towards you today and puts his hope in you today. We pray for these men. We just pray that your spirit speaks through them. We pray that you open the eyes and ears of our hearts, that you soften our hearts so we can hear you. We pray this in your name for your glory. Amen. Thank you, sir. Good morning. Um, so my name is Steve. For those of you who don't know me, um, I've been married for 20 years, and I have two kids, 16 and 18, Josh and Sam. And this here is Jeff. You introduce my, yourself. My turn. Just, yeah. <laughs> All right. uh, Jeff Tolsma, I've uh, been attending Blythefield here for a couple of years now. I have uh, four kids, 15, 13, 11, and whoops, 17, 15, 13, and 11. And uh, so, yeah, life's busy at our house. So I'm uh, looking forward to sharing with you. But uh, Awesome. Um, so as we get into talking about our core lies, boy, just even sitting up here, I feel my heart beating talking to to a big group of people, and Jeff and I were talking, one of the blessings of just getting up here has been to sit with him for like three, 
three different times we got together and just be able to hear his story on a deeper level. And we were actually neighbors uh, for a while. Um, and just even this exercise has brought us together and like, you know, just opened up more. So it's just worth it to get together and uh, spend that time. Uh, so as, as we go into uh, the core lie and what it is, you know, the definition here is a deeply held belief that personally attacks our identity and our trust in God. Uh, so this deeply held belief about ourselves and about God. Um, I, I think one thing that makes the core lie just in, incredibly diabolical is it, it attacks both, right? It attacks our concept of who God is. The core lie, sometimes we get focused in on it's about me. It's really at the center about God. Um, and so for me, I think, what, what has the power to define me? I think when I'm thinking about core lie, what, what is that that has the power to define me? I know that it's supposed to be God, right? He's our creator. He's the one who created us in his image and, and in his likeness. And in Genesis 1, 26, 27, we'll see these images that are going to kind of help us plug into the story here before we talk to Jeff a little bit about his own experiences with the core lie. Um, but first, we're going to plug into the story of the gospel, you know, creation, and then the fall, and then the redemption, and hopefully see how we fit and how Jeff fits into that, that story. So God creates us in his image, and he gives us the command to rule over the earth. I think that's a beautiful picture, that first picture of creation, because God is at the top, right? And he is the undisputed object of our worship and our love and our adoration. He is who we willingly obey. And the earth is underneath us. And it, it serves our needs, right? It generally obeys us, but we are given the command to rule over it. So we get to rule over the earth under God's authority, and it's a beautiful picture. But of course, we know the rest of the story that the serpent steps into that, and he brings doubt about who God is in our relationship, and there is sown the beginning of the core lie. He says, God really doesn't love you. God is holding out on you, and shows the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You might as well just eat of it. And it says that Eve saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable for making one wise, like God. So she took it and ate of it and gave to her husband, and he ate of it too. And so what happened there, I think Paul comments really well on, on what that looks like. And he could have even, it feels like in Romans 1.25, he could have been talking directly about Adam and Eve. Because he says in Romans 1.25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. So do you see the lie that's coming in there? Because when you start to worship and serve created things rather than the creator, guess what starts to have the power to identify you and define you? Well, those things that you're worshiping. And so as we're in this world, and as that second picture pictures this idea of us coming under all these created things, right? They, are, they were never meant to hold the object of our worship, to be, to be our heart's love. But it's really, if we admit it, all we know until revelation, God's word, 
the Holy Spirit, brothers who speak truth into our life, tell us there's something more than what we see, what we taste, what we feel, what we touch. There's a God who loves you, who created you in his image, and who defines you. But I, Jeff, and so many other men that I've had the privilege of talking with, I see us fighting every day to not be defined by the wounds and the winds that we've experienced in life. And I think it's exactly what Adam and Eve did when they took from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I almost want to call it the tree of the knowledge of winds and wounds. Because when they took from that tree, they basically set themselves up as God and said, I'm going to determine what is a wind and what is a wound, what is good and what is evil. How do we determine that? By God's word? Not to start. We do it by our experiences, right? So if something wounds me, I'm going to start to lean on my own understanding. And I'm going to start to try to figure out and develop strategies to deal with that wound. And then we say things like, for me, because I was so teased as a kid, I felt very defective. I always felt one down. That's why my heart's beating as I'm getting ready to speak in front of you, because there's something in my core lie that says right away, these people won't accept me, or I'm going to say something stupid, or I'm going to fumble over my words. And I have to lean into Jesus at that moment. And so I must hide my faults. I can't expose my failures. And so, so I deal with that, but can God speak into that and give me truth about who I am and the image that, and, and about the, the, the solid ground that I stand on when I'm in him, right? And so finally, here we are in this place where the fall is represented. We're in a hopeless situation there. There's nothing we can do to put ourselves back into that perfect relationship with God where he alone is the undisputed object of our worship and love and obedience. But here comes a man, Jesus Christ, who alone in all of history stood at that place where he obeyed God perfectly, where through healing and through loving others and through fully controlling himself, even on the cross when he could have called legions of angels to save him, because of love and obedience to God, he still had self-control to show that love and to redeem a fallen humanity. He alone stood in that place. And even when the devil led him into the, um, well, when the Holy Spirit led him into the um, desert, what happened there, you know, took him to the desert, said, change this stone into bread. Did he do it? No. And took him to a high mountain and said, here's all the kingdoms of the world, showed him through his eyes. And he said, no. Took him to the top of the temple said, throw yourself down, prove you're the son of God. He said, no. Well, here in this place, we're told in the fall that we shouldn't love the world, right? In 1 John, it says, do not love the world. Um, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, boastful pride, that all that um, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world and its desires are passing away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. So here we have this beautiful picture of Jesus who actually, where Adam and Eve failed and where we fail all the time in this world, he prevailed and he lived a perfect life. And, and now 
we, as helpless as we are, we get this opportunity where Jesus steps in and it says in Colossians 1, 13 through 14, it says he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jim invited us that we need to have this relationship with this savior because none of us can make ourselves back in that right relationship with God. But Jesus comes to rescue us so that we can have complete forgiveness of sin and in him be in that unbroken relationship with God. And we know that it's an already secure thing but it's also in this broken world we experience as a not yet kind of full experienced reality. So we know that we are fully accepted. Look, it says he rescued us, past tense, right? We're rescued when we put our faith in Jesus. We're as if we're there with him in that perfect place of obedience and love with worship with God, but we know we feel the tug. And we're gonna talk, oh, excuse me, mouth dry. We're gonna talk to Jeff a little bit about just his own experience in life and, and how that tug happens and how we can fight for each other. Because I can tell you, like, it's very important in our relationship. I need to see that Jeff is a redeemed brother in Christ, and I see that he's there in that relationship, all by Christ's work on the cross, and I see him growing more and more in that. Does he do it perfectly? Heck no. None of us do. But the thing that we need to point each other to is, is Jesus who rescued us, not just performing and doing better. So, so I wanted to like, just engage you now um, and just ask, uh, you know, where, where, is your, um, where did your lie start to form and um, the wounds and wins that you've experienced? Thank you guys for the opportunity to share with you. Uh, for me, the easy part is relating from hell. I can tell you that all day. Um, my core lie is that I am irrelevant, that I have nothing to contribute, and that I am uh, worthless. So that's where I operate from. And that comes from, um, in the past, father neglect, it's come from uh, a mom who expects, has expectations that are really high and uh, to perform. And uh, so my dad was uh, in sales. He wasn't around very much. And so when he was, it was kind of like he was just annoyed with me. And because we all take uh, our view of God from that type of thing, that's where I took my view of God. Um, also, growing up, I was bullied a lot when I was a kid, and so I took that personally. Anytime somebody had a joke or something about Jeff, it meant that it, there was some truth in there. And so I would take it and go, that must be who I am, because that's how you see who I am. So I was taking what I, and I still do this. I mean, I, I, I'm speaking past tense because this was when I was young, but... Um, this is, this is something that you, I struggle with still. Uh, but that's led me to believe that I just don't try. You know, I'll just end up getting hurt anyway. It's not worth it. Um, nobody wants to hear from me anyway. So um, hmm. my, my hiding and my wins are that I would turn to fantasy. So when I was young, I read a lot of novels and that kind of thing. 
but then that turned into fantasy about women. And so therefore, uh, how many of you are old enough to know what the Sears catalog is? <laughs> the Sears catalog in the middle had a large pornographic section of lingerie that women were buying, but that wasn't what I saw. I saw a bunch of women that were interested in me because they would role play and, and fantasize about that kind of thing. Um, I also hid behind humor. I, I am great at self-deprecating humor. And the reason that self-deprecating humor is so important to me is because, number one, it gets a laugh from you. You're interested in me. And number two, it, sh it, it reinforces kind of those lies. <laughs> if you're laughing at what I said, then it must be true. Uh, so I, I get into this crazy cycle. And I, and I start believing these things about, about me. Mm. So, like, I hear you saying that, like, Dad, uh, you know, basically sending you the message through his anger and through, um, you know, just sort mm. of treating you in a way that made you feel like you didn't have anything to offer, like you were sidelined. Um, and, and all these kinds of different experiences that you had with friends teasing you and stuff, like, I just see you, like, and you should be at a place where you're just flourishing and you're living life and you're feeling free, but you're, you, it seems like a lot of your reactions are just hiding and insulating yourself, trying to cover, mm. cover things up. And so, so through your childhood and, and all those experiences, how does that sort of wreak havoc? I mean, mm -hmm. in later life, like in, in, well, in your relationship with God, like yeah. what, how does that? Let's talk about the five P's, right? Because that's how we relate. So in my uh, personal with God, I view God as if he saved me, but he's not interested in me. He generally died on the cross. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but God is annoyed with Jeff. He's mildly disgusted with Jeff because he knows everything, right? He knows all those sins that I've committed. He knows where I live out of. And so he's, a real breakthrough in putting into words for me was the movie The Heart of Man when one of the gentlemen said, I always thought God was mildly disgusted with me. And I thought, that's it. That's exactly, you just put into words what, what I, I, I wrestle with. As far as being a priest, uh, when I'm relating to you all or anyone in, from a spiritual level, um, when I'm operating out of my own selfishness, I'm looking to see what I can get out of you. You know, oh, hey, good job. Good job on the coffee today. Good job on the, you know, those kind of things. And, and I'm looking for personal gratification because I crave that because I'm not taking my, uh, my uh, uh, worth from Jesus. So when you, when you don't get that, though, what, mm -hmm. what do you think you tend to do when... Sure. Uh, when, I, when I do that, I will um, become passive-aggressive with mm -hmm. people. Um, that, that's my general MO. Um, you're not paying attention to me in the way that I think you should. And I'm just not going to pay attention to you. And you're going to know it. But, I'm, but it, what it is is a cry for, notice me. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's, not, it's, it's drinking poison, hoping mm -hmm. somebody else gets injured 
that's another thing I've, I've heard recently that, that has really been helpful is that I'm, I'm hurting myself. And we don't have tons of time, but as, I've, yeah. as we've sat and talked with you, uh, talked together, like we could go on and say like, well, how does Jesus step into that? And you know, that's not the end of the story, but mm -hmm. keep, keep going with sure. our partner. Partner, uh, with my wife, I'll manipulate situations to have my felt needs met whether it's sexual or uh, anything, uh, the laundry that needs doing or whatever it is, I'm, I'm operating out of my own selfishness. And so that's where we don't argue a lot. We don't have a lot to fight about. So um, again, the, kind of those passive aggressive things, I will uh, hide myself in entertainment so I don't have to deal with things, uh, just watching TV, um, sports, whatever. Um, as far as a parent, I am, <laughs> I'm owed respect, right? I'm the man of the family. I'm the father in the household. You owe me respect. So when my children don't give me that, I get angry. And I operate from a position of I'm going to force you to respect me and I'm going to use my words to do it. I'm going to manipulate you to the point that I get what I'm looking for, rather than looking to help them grow. And mm -hmm. so that has been even, especially with my first kid, has been really hard because uh, they're the guinea pig, unfortunately. All our first kids suffer the most. And so I think he's taken the brunt of that. And so we've talked about that, but. Uh, so that, that feels pretty connected with your dad. The oh, lie for sure. And, oh, for yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and it, so it just causes me to puff up and, and uh, so uh, professionally, again, back to the passive aggressive, if you're not doing something that you should be doing or uh, you're not cooperating with me in the way that I expect that uh, you need to be or showing me respect, then I become passive aggressive. Then uh, I'm going to ignore you. I'm not going to, I'm going to do your job last. You know, I'm going to, somehow I'm going to prove to you that you, you and I are not on the same level, and I'm putting myself above others. Hmm. Um, so those are, those are the ways that I... So in, in that profession sort of context, and you're there, and I think you said your lie was kind of like you, f you feel like you don't have anything to offer, like a lack of worth that you're feeling. So when you're at work, I mean, that's where you're bringing worth, right? You're bringing, and if you're feeling like you're not, you know, like that. That's that this week for you. me. <laughs> yeah, and so you can respond. This week has and, been uh, an interesting week at work. And so, yeah, I, I, I can see myself falling into that trap. And I was talking to Steve High about this this morning, and I mentioned it to you, that God stepped into that this week already. And he gave me a verse. And it wasn't something I was looking for at the time. It just popped into my head. That's how I know I was a Holy Spirit. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Oh, that takes me from stress level up here to, oh, wait a minute. This isn't what defines me. This isn't what makes me worth anything. So, I mean, that transitions mm -hmm. us into a little bit of what we were talking about, how Jesus steps into that. So yeah. my, my, oh, Jesus moment, if you will. And that's when I realized that in, the, in those times that Jesus loves me. Sometimes that's 
too late. It's after I've already reacted to someone. Uh, and, I, and God's working on that in me. Um, I, I just really feel and identify with that, like just that feeling of feeling less than in the midst of work because of whatever um, is bubbling up inside. But what I see in you, in, in just that little story, is like, you know, you're there under under the world, like you're, you're kind of demanding something from the world, something comes through, something needs to come through for you. God speaks this truth, his grace is sufficient for you, his love, like all of a sudden that became the controlling principle of your life and the stuff in this world was under your feet mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Like there's nothing that it went can do back that. to the way that it was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, it, I mean it, you still be. had to face the yeah. issues at work and stuff, but you were facing them in Christ in a way that gave you freedom over exactly the, those right. things didn't control you at that moment. Yep. Man, I mean, that's just awesome how Christ can speak in with his word and just set you free from that controlling lie. And that's where I'm going to jump in and give a shameless plug for Ema because uh, Ema has been such a help to me in uh, discipline and verse memorization. I the verses that I'm learning have helped me, but it's also helped me recall verses that I learned many years ago. I mean, the one that came into my head, and I gotta look up the reference for it. I know it's Pauline, but I, God is using that, and he's blessing that. And so I am giving you a shameless plug. I encourage you all, if you get a chance, to jump into Ema the next, next time around. Um, Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's, that's what I need to hang on to in the midst of these core lies. When I'm relating from hell to other people, that's where I need to go because I, I can't do it on my own. If I do it on my own, I automatically go back to these core lies, those things that I must never do because I want to avoid rejection or I must always do whatever it is. And that's for you, that might be different. But that's what we want to talk about, right, in our groups. That's how we want, to, we want to open up because being known in our core lies, first of all, it shines a light in a dark area. But then it also allows people to speak into that, to love us where we're at, and to begin to help us to grow. So mm-hmm. that is, uh, that's what we want to do when we get together here shortly is to kind of start digging into those core lies. And that can be terrifying for people. Mm-hmm. But please, I beg you for the, from the bottom of my heart, this is what Jesus wants. He wants, to, he wants to jump in there with you. He's already there. He's sitting there waiting for you and me to just admit it. <laughs> Amen. Just show it. And then he's going to take it from there. So, well, I, I think you summed that up well. So I'm going to close and just uh, pray. Uh, and then after I'm done praying, uh, we'll just dismiss the groups, okay? So thanks, guys, for your attention. Oh, Father, um, God, we just spent some moments like seeing Jeff's life and seeing your huge, big story. And how we fit into that, God, how awesome it is that the God of the universe cares about us, loves us, and, and has brought us into a redemptive story. God, I pray that you would help us to uh, engage with each other in small groups. 
I pray that you would give courage to hearts. Lord, like Jim said earlier, we're not victims. Lord, when we are um, brought into relationship with you, you make us more than conquerors. Oh God, help us to see that in each other, even in our worst places, even in our brokenness. God, help us to see that you are working a redemptive story and to believe in your work in each other's lives. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Amen.